Welcome to Apostrophe Cast. This episode, we bring you poetry from Weston Cutter. Listening to Weston Cutter read is like enjoying driving alone. The muse speaks to him from posters above the urinals, and she awakens him from the roadside as a little boy with visible dreams. Mr. Cutter sometimes has a hard time taking himself seriously. Then, you're having so much fun, it just makes sense to laugh. Please enjoy Weston Cutter. This poem is called How We Will Eat. I stole a refrigerator from the abandoned house next door and kept it cold. I stole a microwave from the dog shat shack down the street that nobody's been in since those dogs bit those kids. Heated it up. I stole a cooling rack from the memory of my grandmother, who died before I was born, and there it cooled, steam curling like the unironed collars of still stiff shirts. I stole a knife from a burglar, cut it into pieces small enough to have and devour like lungs or starfish. I snuck and stole a goblet. From the church I don't kneel enough within, and I found this plate on the table I took from the window display of the store that never announced it was going out of business, just went, and soon you, to steal you, to sit across from each other, this bounty between us, and, heads bowed and eyes half shut to mouth, but not say thanks for this meal, regardless of its provenance or providence, to silently mouth whatever thanks to whatever God there must be is. Um, This is called Not Fire, Not Ice, and it's for a woman named Ellen Anderson. She steps from her dress, and the room begins with her. How we've traveled to this, all touches roadways. When we say each other's name, we whisper. And when we say each other's name, outside it begins to rain, thunderless. Who doesn't adore and long for tympanic clarity? Clap of demarcation, boom to mark a storm's debut. Peel and crack, announcing one thing's start and another's end. But we're different storms. We'll kiss until we're without lines. Outside a mist graces down from nearby hills, and clouds drop like loosened shrouds. There's no telling where the rain begins or ends, how far. The questions we'll eventually ask ourselves. We'll start with how, but we'll have no answers. She steps from her dress, and the room begins and ends with her. And perhaps all hearts are imperfectly cast spells. Perhaps desires a map with directions, but no town names. These are numberless pages we flip. These kisses and whispered names we busy our lips with. But the story we touch is the only real story. While outside rain seethes, comes pouring in spurts and fits, and no one will know till long after it's passed exactly how the storm began or ended, what caused it to so edgelessly come or go. This one is called Clothesline as Weather Forecast. And even if not for rain, beneath these trees, always there will be something dripping. I've washed and hung the candy-colored bathroom rug, and the word for the desire to eat that which isn't food is pica. Sunny, 50% chance, etc. What's weird yet true is that everything is made of heat. A match has as much heat as a snowflake lacks, and in just this way, my bathroom now has one lack of rug. My guitar is inside, being played by non-hands. As I watch my rug drip in sunlight, it was supposed to rain three days ago, and without rain, we have, we are. Pretend other than that everything's one part expectation, one part lint. The mean, that means the difference between the two. A neighbor put a sign on the mailboxes saying he'd received someone's French book on birds, and when this someone please pick it up. Then another sign, same thing the next day. Then another sign, angry. Come on, just take your damn French bird book already. And instead of making signs, I wondered why he wasn't learning the French word for sparrow, how the French tongue the whippoorwills trill. The world, my friend, is the heat that's there and the heat that's not. Like the amputee who, his phantom fist clenched, 
for all nine years he'd been handless, watched his remaining hand in a mirror, open wide, and felt the missing fists ungrasping. I live where there's a word for the craving to taste the uneatable, but no way to live with that need. What's most amazing is not really that a bird might find my rug on the line to shit on, but that all the non-birds will shit so much non-shit on it. How strangers come together, road over land, rain and thunder missing a town, I have only guesses. This next one is called The Former Pirate on His Way Back to Lisbon. <laughs> there's, um, I don't know if this matters at all, and this will likely get excised later on, but there's a, at the bar that we all used to frequent when we were in school, uh, there was a poster on the wall above the urinal that was like one of those Disney posters from Disneyland, and it was like an old um, map of Florida that was like fake parchment paper, and it like had X's and skull bones and stuff like that. Um, and on the sides, it had these six pictures, three on each side, and they each had the weirdest captions. One of them was, um, and who shall be captain? The other one was then, and then the real fight began. Um, and so I think for a long time, and I really wanted to write a series of poems on these just because I thought it was, you know, well, honestly, because we would get drunk there and I would go to the bathroom and I would think about it as I was peeing. But, um, there's a nautical and or pirate theme that has come into my stuff, I think because of almost explicitly that. Um, so thank you to Abby's bar in Blacksburg, Virginia. This is called the former pirate on his way back to Lisbon. I'm over the overboard. Know it in the waves, how salt and gulp the sea sings and tries. I've held rope and hauled my wet formed self, my, I've hauled my wet formed form tremulent from the dark that will someday be home. I've too many times fallen. I've swooned for sights I could imagine but couldn't quite see. Have felt and been too small a splash. To be human is to crave a more substantial self with which to capsize one body into another. Amen. And I've been scared, yes. I've fearfully searched the horizon for cracks, a way to separate sea and sky. I've despaired at the lack of a clear divide. I've hewn close to known lands, unsure of which shoulder to confront distant wind with, and while looking for new routes, I've been enveloped in prow-split spray, and have wondered about disappearing into this or that mist, have wondered, in fact, if I hadn't already. I've deep cold gasped and come to, blinking toward where we should have been pointing all along, and I've seen brass sextants, white and blue water on impact in Bob just once before succumbing to a depth I fear and need constantly beneath me. And stars, how could we ever measure? We name that which lightens and guides, point anywhere, someone's tried to go home tracing just that route, while what's below and surging is all we ever know of transit, the chaotic song, all one long note, welcome. There's a poem called Knocking Before Entering Versus the Unknown. There are keys for this, the door without a window, and inside always music, the sound of water running. Even in the same room, it's hard to know if you're hearing everything right. Sometimes she calls, sometimes not, and behind door number three. Today we ran out of carrots, making soup. Plenty of celery slash peppers slash chicken, but no carrots. And I reached for keys, walked toward the door as she asked, isn't it weird that something so orange grows in the dark? You'd think we'd be ready by now to admit it all, cravings for certain skin. Not that it hasn't all been said before, that we have said it all. She looked at me, at my keys and hands. I know too many names, and I remember too many kisses with each blink. Some days every number, every color, and what algebra solves for the X of memory when, when, when. She looks away sometimes, 
Certain questions, I look away. There are songs we sing together, off-key voices next to each other like a drunk with a belly full of several different liquors. It's the lilt in her voice when she comes over unannounced, uncalled ahead. The way my name is her question and, and what's known, and what's not, and what shouldn't be. Not even that there's a darkness, just that there could be. That a flashlight is what it is because it focuses, is shown toward whatever sound woke you. And there's a reason the friend who's been married longest swears by the earplugs he wears, right next to love, every night while he sleeps. Uh, that poem is, in fact, of course, a lie. Um, the friend who's been married longest does not, to my knowledge, wear earplugs. Because it's really critical information that you all have that. This is called Faith and Revision versus Come Here. And this is also for Ellen Anderson. Say paced by fate and desire, as if life's a thing which can or should be raced, like footsteps could be listened for, crouched, trailside. Say the green just keeps shooting through, and sure, the fern's half-dead in the window so pot, but can't stop trying to try. Can't help but helplessly trot more of itself out, offer more maybe doomed life to the dooming light and day. Say any of us is any different. Say mistakes were made, keep getting made, and the lessons of shoulders and looking over them We'll begin the minute the story about held hands and eyes first closed finishes. Say paced by desire, chased by fate, and you're getting there. The truth is a matter of twisting, of reshuffling what's already been set down, and my dear, it is all back there. The songs un and missung, the kisses none of us could ever be sure were worth giving until they were gone. The way the heart races at the same rate from both fear and delight. Say yes, listen. There are footsteps near. It's impossible to guess who may still be on the way. And beyond the next curve, new branches are growing through fallen trees and foreign forests no one has yet seen or named. This is called Spring Prayer. And I once had this totally rad idea that I was good. <laughs> Sorry, that sounds incredibly cocky. I thought that it would be really fun to write a whole series of Spring Prayers. So originally this was actually like the 26th in a series of like 50 or something, but um, the rest of them suck. So one out of 50, 2%. 2% of the poems that I write are worth keeping. Spring Prayer. Next door, the cat's finally quiet, fed, the meowing suppressed for another day, and on the way out into another spring night, I hear stereos from the next several apartments, and a woman's voice laughing, no, crying, no. There's music where you least expect. I could have killed that, that cat yesterday, bawling like a fucking newborn while the water was boiling, and the coffee still in separate stages, grounds on one side, water on the other, like stages of grief as described in a book for dummies. First denial, then anger. It's never how it feels, but this is how I've come to April, thinking, as always, of an old name I keep remembering so I can forget it anew. She's laughing now, I think. A TV on in the background, and the windows in the church across the street were all removed and replaced over a month in winter. And one night after work was finished, I crept up and licked each pane of glass where new window met old wood. Licked like to seal an envelope, like to secure the new view, and if... Instead of going to see a friend who may never ask me what I really want, I could stand in there now, with the pipe organ quiet and looming behind me, and all I know of God reverent in the curved, shining woodwork above. I'd ask not for song or silence, but for a way to know each from each, real woman's voice from fake, light of two candles from one flickering bulb, feel of sleep from feel of falling to sleep, the name D from the word denial, go away from don't fade, holy from April, April from the word almost, etc. Amen, etc. This is called All Yes versus Death of Binary. There's a world, 
down there beneath where we're driving, late, dark, highway is lull, stretch of miss or displacement, where what's both returning and what's returned. Down below are real lights and real houses, real people sleeping just like we'd like to be, but we're never there. Not quite. It's been a day, 12 hours. There's no need to complain about this. Inside the head of a boy, a hundred feet down from the road I'm driving, a dream is blossoming. Of firecrackers. Of who knows. I didn't believe in girls until I'd kissed one. Didn't believe in frogs until I caught one. And only now believe in hunger, since it's the only food I crave. And down below, in his mother's purse, in my mother's purse, as I dreamed about baseball, about ninjas. A whole winter, in the fancy green purse, she rarely used an orange rotted, turned green. A smell of citrus coming from the closet like a burning and stuck into the skin of the orange, stuck on. From beside me, my love lays a hand soft on my neck. Or what happens when yes is repeated, yes as it approaches infinity, tires at 30 PSI, engine at 3,000 RPM. The truth is far less interesting as a number than as a smell, than as a bird. We set off as robins and are now coasting, in dark. Not crows, nor grackles, but herons, cranes, there's a glide in how you approach anything familiar. How my mom, one hand in that purse, pulled out a shriveled orange, barely solid, barely spherical, almost liquid, and in the orange's flesh a dazzling, a pierce, the pearl earring she'd been missing since early winter. She told us in the morning, and we laughed for minutes, for hours, and the next Sunday before church she asked how her oranges looked, pointing to her small earlobes. What's he dreaming? What was it I dreamt? And later, years later, when we moved the piano and from behind it pulled a picture where we could all imagine, the one of me almost kissing the fish, but couldn't for years find. He's down there, all of us, dreaming. Her eyes are closed, but her hands soft against my neck. The road curves, lights obscured by the next hill, the world, out there, real as a whisper, as the sound she makes when she turns her head. There is story, recollection. There is the way a wheel feels against tired hands in the dark. This is called wonder. Breath took mornings of kneading and need, hands deep in bread dough, outside barely sunlight, and I know I've tasted the food I keep trying to make. Something honeyed, but sweetness so deep it's an afterthought. The thrown away glance out the car's window to a house impervious to burn or time's warp, a picture you can't picture fading. There's a stirring. How inside the bread, while I make oatmeal and drink coffee, a little bit of living will keep living and, with its own life, give off air, breath. There's no real way to taste it. The air in the bread will be tasteless, but caused by, once was, by what once was taste. Beyond the kitchen window, there's a tree still standing, though it's half dead. A tree I sat, I sat under two summers back and ran a hand along the hair of the dog of the woman I wanted to want to love me more. There's distance of miles and distance of iteration. Bread rising. The honey and brown sugar in the bread shape it ghostly. Constituent bits like an equation zero. Placeholders. A word thought and kept, not forgotten, but never said. A kiss imagined over and over until, eventually, the matter of involved lips doesn't matter at all. And how it is in the long aisles, fluorescent lit. How we reach to those softnesses. Feeling forgive. Wondering at the polka dots on some bags, the bright colors and assurances of purity. I've tasted the bread I want most, tasted it warm as it gets. There's actual taste, then remembered sense, and the difference between the two is hauntingly slim. If I've done everything right, 
there will be airy nothingness at the bread's core, pocked hollows marking where sweetness has been feasted on. It's breakfast, arising. I wake alone and I'm hungry, just like anyone. I hum small songs that last just until the meal is ready. And this last one is called The Waiting Room is Empty at 3 a.m. And I, for whatever reason, I'm always compelled to point out that it's not, in fact, a true story at all. In ten minutes, the tired nurse will come call my name. Tell me I'm not dying, that what I really feel is a lie. I page through a magazine and find someone's drawing of a naked lady in the margin of an advertisement for a big black car I'll never buy. The naked lady's cute in a pencil sketch sort of way. She's not someone you'd set a friend up with and say, well, she's got a great personality. Her pubic hair is someone's version of a pom-pom. Each hair on her head curves up at her neck like snakes held by their tails. I can't remember the last time I drew a naked lady. The waiting room is empty at 3 a.m., and I want to shout my own name just so someone's calling it. I start drawing, and my naked lady looks sad compared to the other one. I want to know if whoever drew the first naked lady was married, if he was at the hospital because he had the clap, and was trying to remember how his infector looked. Did he want to take his skinny naked lady into the big black car of the advertisement, show off his own upgrades and creature comforts? When the nurse opens the door, she doesn't even speak, just points. From my, na- <laughs> from my naked lady's mouth, I draw a bubble and scribble my name. If I'm dying, I want one last sad beauty calling for me, a false record no one will know to correct. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening. Please join us on December 2nd for Caitlin Doyle.